Star Wars 7x7 episode 3139. It is a Mando Monday today and we are going to focus on the armor and the children of the watch. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So these Mando Mondays, we are catching up with major characters leading into Season 3 of The Mandalorian. We've already looked at Moff Gideon, at Bo-Katan, and Dr. Pershing, and now we are going to check out what's going on with the armor, or what we know, what we can consider as we prepare for Season 3. Now the deal with the armor is a little funny in that if you have not watched the Book of Boba Fett, then you might be a little lost as far as the armor goes. Although the teasers and trailers have caught us up just a little bit. But here's what we know. The armor was leading an enclave of Mandalorians who were in hiding on Navarro. Presumably this group was part of or all that existed and remained of the Children of the Watch, which according to Bo-Katan is a group of religious zealots comparatively within Mandalorian society. And they were exiled on Concordia. This becomes a bit of an important point. And so they were not part of the great purge of Mandalore that happened when the Empire showed up and trashed everything. So as if Bo-Katan needed another reason to dislike the Children of the Watch, well, there you go. So the Mandalorian is part of the Children of the Watch, as we well know, but he doesn't seem to realize that there's a you know, bigger thing about the Children of the Watch. He's rather surprised to hear about it from Bo-Katan, and yet you know, it's what he knows. And what he knows was all but destroyed in season one of The Mandalorian, right? So we saw him in that enclave and the armor is leading this group. And then when he saves, when The Mandalorian saves Grogu, the armor allows all of the Mandalorians, presumably the armor allows this, that it's not some sort of uprising against her or anything like that, but allows the Mandalorians in the Enclave to go and defend our titular Mandalorian and allow him to escape from Navarro. But of course, this brings the Mandalorians to the attention of the Empire, and we know they're not big fans, so they kill most of the Mandalorians that are in that enclave. The armorer is one of the few survivors. There's a indication that maybe more of them actually got off world, but it seems like maybe only two of them did, and we'll get to that in a second. But we see the armorer salvaging as much of the Beskar from the fallen warriors as she can before she takes off and, of course, has a battle with half a dozen stormtroopers where she dispatches them with ease. So not only is she wise and mysterious, but she's also an amazing fighter as well. Probably no surprise. Anyway, so... We don't see the armor in season two of The Mandalorian at all. This is where it gets a little fuzzy because if you haven't watched the Book of Boba Fett, then you don't know that the armor is on the ring world of Glavis, along with Paz Vizsla, who we met briefly in season one of The Mandalorian. He's that big bruiser of a Mandalorian who initially kind of challenged our Mandalorian to a fight over the Beskar from the Empire. So we already know there's no love lost there necessarily. But then, of course, 
Upon finding that the Mandalorian has the Darksaber, Paz Vizsla challenges the Mandalorian for possession of the Darksaber, which doesn't go well for Paz. And so here's where we're going to tackle Concordia and Children of the Watch and whatnot. The Children of the Watch, the detectives who are updating Wikipedia found something really fascinating in the French translation of the subtitles for The Mandalorian. The Children of the Watch is labeled as, well, the American translation, the English translation is Heirs to the Death Watch. So we need to refresh ourselves a little briefly about the history of Death Watch. They were on the moon of Concordia. They were people who favored the more aggressive warrior-like nature of Mandalore as opposed to the new Mandalorians who were led by the Duchess Satine Kreese, Bo-Katan's sister. And they were on the moon of Concordia, actually. They ended up challenging for the throne and then Maul took over and then Maul killed Pre Vizsla, who was the head of Death Watch at the time. But Bo-Katan and various other members of Death Watch were not cool with that at all. And so Death Watch kind of splintered and Bo-Katan basically led the uprising against Maul, which was completed in that seventh season of the Clone Wars. And from that point on, she basically took over the throne of Mandalore. Then coming to our sort of present day situation for the Mandalorian, we know that both Death Watch and the Children of the Watch, or possibly the heirs to the Death Watch, were camped out on the moon of Concordia. And we know that the Vizsla household was a vital part of Death Watch, so it's probably not surprising to hear that a character named Paz Vizsla is part of the Children of the Watch. It does kind of raise the question, though, because we don't know who the armorer is. We don't actually have a character name for the armorer other than her title, the armorer. So it certainly seems possible that the armorer could be a Vizsla, could be part of Clan Vizsla. One of the tricky things about this, though, is that Clan Vizsla united behind Clan Kreese in the fight against the Empire, but apparently they survived the events of the Great Purge of Mandalore. So did Bo-Katan, for that matter. So I guess you, know, you can't necessarily get into too much argument between the two there, but Bo-Katan obviously has a problem with it because I guess the Children of the Watch were not affected by the Purge in the same way. So at some point... Clan Krees and Clan Vizsla went their own ways? It's really hard to say at this point. So let's go back to what we do know, which is that the Armor and Paz Vizsla survive the events of Mandalorian Season 1. They're in hiding as of the Book of Boba Fett, and we know that the Armor is going to play a role in Season 3 of The Mandalorian, but at what level we don't necessarily know for sure. Our titular Mandalorian seems to be taking on a leadership role as he talks about their people being scattered like you know stars in the galaxy and who are we and what do we stand for and he's coming out of a cave when a bunch of Mandalorians are assembled so it seems like he is now in some kind of leadership role but he sees himself as subservient in a way to the armorer right he is part of the armorer's clan whatever that clan or that house is and Upon learning that he has you know, transgressed against the ways of the Children of the Watch and that he is no longer considered a Mandalorian, his goal is to go to Mandalore and you know, find the water into the mines of Mandalore and get himself back right with the Children of the Watch. So he is still looking to the armor for leadership. 
And I realize we're you know trying to talk about the armor here, but we're really spending time talking about other characters like Paz Vizsla and the Mandalorian and Bo-Katan. But yeah, because of the fact that we know so little about the armor, we kind of have to place her in context relative to other characters to try to get a handle on what her deal is. And you don't necessarily get the idea that she wants to take control back of Mandalore. She's just trying to have a, you know, an enclave of Children of the Watch who stay stable and safe and secure and who continue to keep the way of the Mandalore. But beyond that, we haven't heard her express any major desire for greater ambition, right? Or power or returning to Mandalore. I mean, as far as she's concerned, like, you know, there's also nothing really remaining in Mandalore as well. So this does kind of make you wonder whether she is going to have any future effect on the politics that are about to be in play in season three of The Mandalorian. And the other weird variable about all of this is that even though the armorer has declared that the Mandalorian is no longer a Mandalorian, she doesn't try to tell him to give up the Darksaber because he's no longer a Mandalorian. She doesn't say, hey, you have to ditch your armor because you're no longer a Mandalorian. She lets him go on his way. And, you know, I suppose that, you know, she probably feels the same way about the Darksaber being won in combat because she allows the battle between Paz Vizsla and the Mandalorian to happen. But... I have a feeling the armorer probably could have taken the Mandalorian, and yet she did not challenge him for the Darksaber in any way either. Ultimately, where I've arrived at in regards to the armorer and her Season 3 presence in the Mandalorian is that I don't think she has any particular desire for the throne of Mandalore. However, I think that she would want to be the you know, spiritual leader and advisor, if you will, to whoever takes the throne, presumably somebody from the Children of the Watch. And I think she probably has every you know, confidence that our Mandalorian will, in fact, get himself right and atone for his transgressions and she would support him for the throne of Mandalore considering that he is in possession of the Darksaber which is part of the way and he is part of the Children of the Watch and even though he's no longer a quote-unquote Mandalorian he's going to get himself right by her. So that's what I've got for you about the Armorer and the Children of the Watch and that is going to do it for this Mando Mondays episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.